and we tell the guys because we'd rather have the girls go last because we can sort of leave the day in a better mood from you guys. You guys piss us off every day, not listening, doing whatever you want to, and the girls come in and we get, they get everything done in the time that we want them to do. And we're like, okay, cool, good practice. You know, we can go home, sleep a little better at night. Thanks for, thank you for letting me be here, Jordan. It's great to see you. Great to uh, be part of this and be able to answer your questions, talk about wrestling, talk about North Florida, and just uh, share my knowledge or whatever I can do. I know, man. It's been way too long. Like I, I, the last time I saw you, you were beating up on me as a fresh state champion, letting me know what uh, the next level had in store for me, and I did not uh, realize that it, it was pretty standard. <laughs> Oh man, you know, uh, it was great to see you, you know, coming from, uh, you know, from the same high school and you looking into college and being able to go home and roll around with people like you and giving you an introduction about what to look forward when it came to college wrestling. You know, at that time I was, uh, assistant coach for uh, Campbellsville university in Kentucky, where I was there for three years with Frankie James. And we had a, a pretty good program back then. Yeah. You forgot to tell me that you were leaving once I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm looking over right there, but. <laughs> We'll get into that a little bit yeah. later, but, but first of all, everybody knows you. So for the people that don't, the very few, can you give us a quick like bio of your high school, college, and after that up until where you're at now? Okay. I mean, I guess it's cool that people like me. I could be good or bad. I've been around, whatever, but uh, you're, you, we're talking people like BB, great people, great coaches. Um, yeah. So grew up uh, live Oak, Florida, um, Swanee County was my... Uh, Family was all over our currently still. My parents still live there. My uh, twin brother still lives there. Um, but went to Swanee High School where I guess we go wrestling wise. I was a two time state champion, three time finalist at Swanee. From there, I went on to Campbell University um, in North Carolina, small division one school, where I was three time all conference, did stuff here and there. Um, then after that, started going into coaching. So I stayed at Campbell for a year as assistant coach. From there, I went on to help start the program at Belmont, at Belmont Abbey College in North Carolina uh, for that first season. Then went from there to Campbellsville University in Kentucky, where I was uh, an assistant coach for three years. And from that part, went, left that, went back to Florida, where I was a high school teacher and coach um, for a Tampa Preparatory School. Uh, where I was there for a little over 12 years until I, where I am now at Lincoln Memorial University, being a director of wrestling here, where I run both the men's and women's programs. In small you, are, too. you are a crazy man running both <laughs> of them. How did you, so how did you end up at LMU? For starters, I knew this area a little bit when I was coaching in Kentucky, um, driving through this area. I sort of knew where Lincoln Memorial was. I knew this area as in I recruited kids from the Eastern Tennessee part, um, when I was in Kentucky, but, uh, at the time, so I always, in my mind, wanted to get back into coaching college a little bit. You know, I miss it. I love working with college kids at that level. Don't get me wrong. I loved high school and stuff, too. I love teaching, actually. Um, but being a teacher and a high school coach all together, sometimes that puts a little toll on your body, as in mentally and stuff, trying to do one thing coaching-wise and meeting all demands when it comes to working for a private school and stuff and, you know, the micromanaging and everything else. And... Uh, and I always decided, no, I still want to do this whole college thing and look into jobs here and there. Some were assistant coach jobs because um, I still, be in the shape I was, I still love rolling around, love the teaching and technical aspect of everything. Um, 
and it just happened to be the fact is when COVID hit everything. Um, when COVID was going on, teaching-wise, it was getting a little harder when you're teaching online and in person and all this other stuff. And I was at a school where we were sort of behind all the other schools. They weren't going to jump back into things. And with that, they were having issues with all the sports. Um, they were putting my program on hold, why some other programs were let were, were um, being able to do what they wanted to do back to normal. It aggravated me a little bit. So I'm like, if, if we have, if I have no assurance if there's going to be a season for me, I'm going ahead and start throwing my, you know, hat into the ring for a couple of these college jobs. Because at the time, are still going on. There's a lot of college programs starting from scratch and building up. You know, the smaller level D2, D3 schools, a lot of them, a couple of NEI schools are all trying to start programs now. And happened to be Lincoln Memorial, Lincoln Memorial University was one of them. I'm like, hey, I know that area, I know that school. So like anything else, you got the resume, you know, you send stuff out, you got all your, uh, say, um, references, you send all those things out. And within a couple weeks, they were calling me, setting up interviews. And from the first interview until I think I stepped foot on campus, I was only about five weeks. So that thing was knocked out and ready to go. They hired me and I started my last day at Tampa Pratt probably was at December 31st. I started working here on January 3rd. Well, they definitely picked up a good coach. Um, so speaking of on your resume, it doesn't really do you justice because I remember you start telling me about the qualifying trials and tribulations that you had, especially back in the day. Can you tell everybody about that and then maybe about how it's different now? Okay, yeah. So uh, so when it came back today, of course, there was a lot more conferences than there are now. Some are depleted. The conference, uh, Campbell was in at a time. Um, Wrestling-wise is depleted, doesn't exist anymore, along with a couple other ones and some schools combined. So with those smaller conferences, and probably, you know, a lot of them were maybe 6 to 11 schools and, you know, in different conferences, um, the NCAA Division One qualifications were pretty much based on the conference. We're given a number, this is what you have, or as in not just a number. It's like you're allowed to send, for example, just your conference champions to nationals, that's it or you're allowed to send your finalists, that's it, and maybe you get to vote on one or two wild cards. It wasn't as accolades about how strong the weight classes were or anything. They just as a whole is like, okay, your conference maybe produces this many All-Americans or this many guys who whatever, you know, whatever was behind it. I can't tell you the specifics of everything, but they would just say like, okay, cool. You get to send your conference champions, and that's it. You know, so 10 guys from the whole conference would go to nationals. And those are what the things would happen. You know, you could be out there, like, say, as me as a true freshman at Campbell, I'm in the conference finals as a six-year senior, three-time national qualifier, and lose by two points, but I'm not going to nationals. doesn't matter. And, you know, you can look at somebody else at the time. There wasn't too much of, like, a Southern Conference, but we had the East region who were sort of the same thing. And you see guys – who were going to nationals, like, well, I beat that guy five times last year. You know, those kind of things. It was just what part they were, and it's just their conference could have been so weak. Uh, they, you know, then they would go. And we were part of a conference that was small when I first got there. Then one conference sort of depleted, and we got a handful of other teams um, at Campbell, as in, um, or in our conference where we had – Sort of like Hofstra, Drexel, Ryder, Boston U, where we all combined into a conference together. And the only boost we got, well, you can send your finalists to nationals. <laughs> that was it. 
and when Hofstra was a top 10 team, so was Drexel. You know, Tom Ryan was at Hofstra at the time. You know, the two winningest coaches in NCAA history were both in our conference with, um, I think it was Gary Taylor, who was at Ryder. And, you know, kicking myself right now, the guy who was at Drexel coach. As soon as I get up done with this, I'll probably remember his name, but he was the most winningest coach in NCAA history, currently coaching. You know, we had all these legends around there and stuff. With also, Old Dominion was in there with Grace Simmons, who was a two-time Olympian. My coach was a two-time Olympian. So, so like, not a not a bad group. No, not a bad group. It just is just how it was. We weren't Big Ten. We weren't Big Twelve. So you know, schools like that, and uh, the EIWA wasn't as big, which it hosts Ivy Leagues. It was basically just mostly Ivy League schools and, and the military academies. Then you also had. Uh, EWL, there was a couple other ones, East Region, Southern Conference, and he just sort of got rid of some of these, combined them, and that's where we have what we have now. So back in the day, where so many conferences, they just, you know, here, this is what you get, and to deal with it. Do you so, think there's, do you still think there's room to improve on the way that they select for the national tournament? Right now, it's working out pretty well. I think when it comes to elections, there's always some controversy when it comes to maybe, um, you know, those wild cards or people, you know, that don't make it through conference or somehow get an at-large bid. You know, that stuff didn't exist at all when I was in, you know, those at-large bids never happened. You know, if you didn't wrestle in conference, you, you didn't go. You know, you at least had to do something, um, which all that stuff is, you know, I think it's a little bit better system now than the past because, you know, you, like I said, in my conference with those good schools, like my senior year, then we took the finalist. That same year, I mean, I beat the returning conference champion in the quarters, and I was wrestling against an All-American for third. So, you know, <laughs> that's not going to – you're not going to nationals because you weren't in the finals, but, you know. You're still wrestling an All-American for third. It is... For third place, yeah, you know. So those kind of things were – Well, moving on from the past and on where you're at now, uh, I was curious as to your, your position as a director of wrestling, and then when you said that basically means you're the head coach of both teams, I – was like that sounds like a crazy thing that Bricker would do. <laughs> how does how what is that experience like of coaching both a uh, male and female college wrestling team? And knowing you, you have you know high level of expectations. How is that managing uh, both those worlds? Uh, it keeps you busy, is for sure. You know, so um, I mean, you take both the two programs. Of course, you try to coach them as separate programs. You know, we do a little bit together here and there. But um, you have to focus on both of them and care about both of them just as much as, you know, if you just have one program. It's uh, building more relationships. It's organizing more things. It's, you know, recruiting two different teams. Um, so it does keep you a lot more busy. It's uh, just an aspect of it is trying to find success for both programs and what you can do for both of them and trying to get them all going in the right direction. Um, that's, I guess, that's pretty much entails. I mean, you're taking a concept of what most people would do with a smaller program or if they're just coaching one and trying to do that with both. You know, um, is it uh, difficult? You know, it all depends on you and your level of thinking about it. I, you know, the expectations, like you're saying, high expectations or whatever, high standards, um, that, that, will, that comes when uh, you start doing your recruiting classes. You know, that starts sort of at that gate. For me, building two programs from scratch, because wrestling never existed here at LMU until now, um, is starting 
uh, you know, that foundation and getting the right people here you can build on. If you get the right student athletes here for men's women, men's team or women's team, then uh, you're going in the right direction. You know, something you can build on. Uh, people will have all the right standards you're looking for when it comes to not just athletics, but academically, the right goals, everybody having the, the same views as each other, you know, holding each other accountable, knowing that they're here to start a tradition and to represent not just Lincoln Memorial University, but their sport as a whole when it comes to them being part of something new. So let me ask you this as, as a guy that's coaching both of them. Whenever female wrestling was starting to merge, I thought it was a little strange that they went with freestyle wrestling as the as the base. Um, as a guy coaching both folk style and freestyle, do you think that it was a wise idea for the women's to go freestyle, or do you think they should have been folk style as well and keep it across the board? Yeah, oh, good question. So, I mean, that question gets asked to some of the major college coaches in the country, you know, all the time. You know, they used to be, you couldn't watch an interview without somebody like asking John Smith or, you know, uh, Tom Ryan or something like that, do a long question of freestyle or folk style. And some had different views. Most of the older guys, a lot of them would say freestyle to start off with, just because of sort of where we're going at. It's, uh, I did sort of make some notes here about why, really. Main thing is sort of when it comes to college wrestling, for everybody who's wrestling in college and even for high school student athletes who are looking at college and everything right now, this is our top. This is basically it for us, you know. Unless you are going for a world or Olympic team, you know, college is our top of everything. You know, that's where we're at. There is no professional, you know, league like basketball, football. We're not making money, all those other things. So when we're trying to exceed, as in us, you know, United States versus the rest of the world, it's international wrestling. And right now, international wrestling for women is just freestyle. And that's for us to be competitive with the countries like, you know, Japan, you know, who are, who's won, I forgot, 15 world titles or whatever else um, to represent this country. Freestyle is what we do, and that's where we went into. And for us to have that for a development like every other country our girls are starting off you know as a young age doing a freestyle and carrying over through college that's why our women are killing internationally now just like everybody else is so yeah i think it was a good call i think it was not for my beliefs i think it was the right call and on um on the topic of women's wrestling um is there a need for more female coaches as the sport continues to grow? Um, you know, with wrestling being such a physical sport and moves being very hands-on as it can be, um, <clears throat> does that place a higher importance on um, maybe the, the urgency of finding women coaches to fill these positions at the high school and college level? Or now, I think, is there a need for them? Yes, of course, 100%. And to go with that part off of that, um, there will be. Since it's still an emerging sport in college, just give it time. It hasn't been around long enough to have all of these women coaches. You know, there's some that's been around, some that had these jobs, or a lot of assistants and everything. And uh, just give them more time. Because right now, the women who's been, you know, our best in the country-wise in college are the, women that are the women that are competing right now in Olympic and world teams. Give it time and we will have 
the winning coaches we want. Um, so that's it's there. You know, if, if you're a woman coach, I tell you right now, if you're a girl or somebody that just finished your college career right now, um, get it into some high school coaching. If you're looking for a college job as assistant coach, Mike Moyer from National Wrestling Coach Association, get a hold of that guy. He'll find you a job yesterday for coaching women's wrestling. You know, there are all these schools that want to start it, and they're looking for women coaches. And the reason, I guess, is not because of sort of what you're saying. That is so hands-on and everything. I don't think that is a big issue when it comes, especially college wrestling. You know, most of these women have all been coached by guys some way, somehow. Already all came from high school programs where they had a men's coach, and they were already practicing with all the guys anyways. You know, the, the, our women wrestlers, um, there's really – no difference when it comes to, uh, you know, what they're capable of doing and how to coach them. You know, I've actually had my pros and cons when it comes to women's and men's wrestling a little bit. You know, I, I see women as in there's, there's more pros in coaching than there is cons. They're very attentive. They listen. They do exactly what you tell them to do. So it's, uh, it, it's a pleasure in coaching girls. You know, you just have to know exactly what you can and can't do with them. When it comes to maybe uh, certain workouts and stuff, when it comes to maybe upper body strength or whatever, but for most of my workouts right now, doing preseason, my girls after their lifts or whatever else are doing the same workouts my men's team doing. You know, probably with less complaint, and it's just gonna continue doing that because I mean now you have more female wrestlers who's been involved in it since a young age, not just getting started in the last two years of high school or whatever. Um, so it's it's going to continue to get you know a whole much better, and us having more women's coaches, yes, because uh, still no matter what, um, it is it gets to where who listens to who, who's more comfortable coaching who. Um, the women coaches do excellent jobs, you know, ones I met and, and everything, but but the guys who spend time doing uh, our coaching women's, they do unbelievable jobs also. So after you've been around it and learn how to. You know, maybe word things differently or to relate to how the girls think and what they need to know move-wise. You know, you got to know a difference from, like, say, freestyle example. You can teach a, you know, um, guys on top some of the best gut wrenches in the country to break a guy in half when they're on top. You know, you can teach the same thing to girls, but girls don't turn as easy as guys do. You know, you can lock up a gut. A girl's rib will break before her hips ever turn. You know, you got to learn a technique. It's like, hey, that's not – go-to gut wrench on top for a man is not a go-to move for a girl on top. The girl's like, take that down, hit an ankle lace and leg lace, then you'll, you'll roll a girl across the map. You know, There's a little bit difference when it comes to what you're looking for and how you're teaching, maybe technique-wise. But uh, work ethic-wise and everything else, the, um, it, that doesn't change. Say it's, it's an enjoyment, whatever. And my coaching staff here, we sort of joke around where our practices have them staggered where uh, – Normally our guys uh, practice before our girls do when the season happens. And we tell the guys because we'd rather have the girls go last because we can sort of leave the day in a better mood from you guys. <laughs> you guys piss us off every day, not listening, doing whatever you want to, and the girls come in and we get, they get everything done in the time limit we want them to do. And we're like, okay, cool, good practice. You know, we can go home, sleep a little better at night. It's a very smart planning. Yeah. It works out. So you mentioned the pro wrestling about NCAAs being the absolute pinnacle outside, you know, unless you want to go yeah. for the worlds. Um, I've always thought that we leave so much money on the table not having something there. And I remember 
you telling me like you stuck around and wrestled opens after your senior year because you still had more to prove. Connor Beebe said the same thing that he stuck around and kept on doing some more opens after he got done because he still had more to prove. And I'm just curious as you know, as a high level, you know, uh, college wrestler and, and now a college coach, do you think that that is a possibility? Um, that's almost like a whole conversation you can go in for hours and everything. I mean, at one time in uh, you know late '90s, early 2000s, or I want to say early 2000s, we did have real pro wrestling that they started. Um, what most of pretty much was our top, you know, U.S. World Team contenders, Olympic Team contenders in it, anyways, and stuff. And it was a cool concept that you know they adapted it to. I say spectator base when it comes to point systems how to score and everything did what they could with it and there's just a you know disappointment that it didn't last and it really had nothing to do with the organization of it it was a lot of the footage was lost and uh, with that no money was made and a lot of the athletes didn't get paid so it sort of ended with that um, is that is that what happened for real yeah a lot of the films of the whole first season i think um got lost in a fire the guys ranch rare things stored, so they had to go back and refilm You're a lot right, of stuff. I did hear about that. And uh, yeah, I had to refilm a lot of things, and that left to people not getting paid and stuff. And these are guys again trying to make World Olympic teams who they're looking at ways to make salaries and everything else. So it took time off of them. But uh, yeah, that's sort of what happened with it. And with that, mm-hmm. with that backtrack of retaking stuff, the, their deals with the major networks they had, they lost those deals because they couldn't get it done in time. So that's what happened to most of it. I'm surprised that they went because it was like a freestyle Greco kind of combination. Yeah. And I would have liked to see them do more of like a folk style kind of because you like you said they already have the system right there. Yeah. You know, with guys coming out of college being like, well, I need a little bit of money. If you don't make a world team, if you're like, you know, you end up in a weight class with Kyle Dake, Jordan Burroughs, yeah. David Taylor, like your chances of making a world international team might be pretty low but you could get on a card you know once or twice you know a year and sell easy i'd watch it or i mean obviously i'm talking about the idea so i'd tune in but i think there's money on the table for these athletes and i'd love to see some of these d2 d3 athletes that i think get slept on come in and you know make some noise and see a legitimate challenge against these d1 guys like i remember they did years ago at the beach streets they had joey davis the four-time undefeated division two champion wrestle alex dillinger but they did it in freestyle mm. and a lot of people end up looking at just the score i think the score was like nine to something but it all happened at the very end with like a four point throw and then joey mm. davis trying to go for the win I'm like other than that was really close but i'm like okay that's cool but they were both champions in ncaa folk style wrestling i get your point with it um it's we have folk style itself is USA. That's American style wrestling. Almost every country has a certain style. You know, you can take what sumo or Brazilian grass wrestling or India where they're, uh, you know, mud wrestling and things like that or dirt wrestling. That's their national sports, right? And folk style is ours. So I can see what we can do with this country and everything and how it could branch almost like when we grew up, UFC was the only mixed martial arts, the only thing that made money. You know, only tournament and stuff. Now you look at so many different organizations for mixed martial arts, all of this stuff. Where UFC is still the top dogs or everybody with the 60 year contracts, you know, which is basically sort of where our freestyle world Olympic teams are, you know. And you're thinking about microing that to smaller stuff with pro leagues and everything else with folk style. I mean, with that whole concept of how MMA's taken off, it is possible, it's feasible. 
you know, you're just trying to keep folk style as it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's an idea that could work if you have people who can do it right, you know. Um, the only thing I say is like it's, you know, it's all about folk style rest at the time. And when we still have, you know, freestyle going on, I, for me, it's, it shouldn't, the reason why to have the league is shouldn't can, um, prevent people or discourage anybody from getting into freestyle gruff enrollment. That's the thing. That's something that we should do no matter what, which I think we got to do more of. We don't do enough. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's such a weird conversation. And, you know, at least in this area in North Florida, which it's hard to get freestyle and Greco going that I think a lot of the argument feels like if you're not, if you're more folk style, then you're against freestyle or Greco, or if you're like not for it, then you're against it. There's it's, it's a weird kind of, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to get it started over here. And I'm not sure why. And I'm not sure. Maybe it's a disconnect in the conversation. I'm for me. And I'm trying to figure out when I was younger, how it sort of turned out to be that way. You're growing up for me. It was folk style, high school season, middle school season, whatever else in the summers, it was just freestyle and Greco. The only thing happened this whole year long folk style thing is, is a weird thing for me. You know, we're, we're more people are doing it now year long and not getting into freestyle or Greco or anything at all, which is, uh, for me, that's a strange part. And I, I mean, all I can do is encourage people to do it. I mean, there's different reasons behind it and everything else about why, for example, look at our best freestyle wrestlers right now. You know, those guys did folks all their whole high school and college careers. Nothing that did not keep them from being dominant freestyle as they are now. It's just right now, international after college, the only thing, what we talk about, the only thing you can do is freestyle, you know, after folk style seasons. So we shouldn't have the idea that, well, if we do freestyle anytime during high school or whatever else, for these young kids, they won't be able to do, you know, folk style in college. That Those two things do not hinder each other whatsoever. You need to have that sort of freestyle and Greco-Roman season for every kid, not just the whole folk style year long, whatever, because it's, it's development for everybody. It's the skills and stuff. The changing of styles alone is sort of a, um, I say a mental break, you know, people going for a full folk style season, having this, you know, their stresses, everything they're going through through a high school season, maybe not succeeding what they want to or doing what they want to do, but that whole grind of folk style and everything, the concepts and the techniques and everything you're doing, after that's over, letting that part say, okay, that's done. Folks, all is over. Freestyle and Greco season starts. That gives an athlete so much a mental break, sort of the stressors sort of go away. It's almost like they're starting something over again and starting new, starting a whole new season, being able to learn new skills, new positions. Um, and, and, and in the long run, they're still wrestling. They're still on the mat. Who cares which style it is? They're still doing wrestling all season long, but are just not having everything pushed to them. It's like, hey, you got to do this one style or not. It's in the North Florida area. I've seen grappling and BJJ catch on a little bit better than freestyle and Greco. Do you think? Do you support that? Or do you think we still need in the North Florida area to focus on freestyle and Greco? To me, I think that's very strange. <laughs> you know, change transfer to that where. It's got to that point where more you see so much people or so many people transferring from folk style to Brazilian jiu-jitsu and not going into freestyle or Greco. 
that to me is like strange in my parole. We're going to a really it's yeah it's grappling but a totally different sport instead of doing the same sport that just has different rules it's yeah. it's that, that's a little it's a little strange for me when it comes to it but the, the concepts of wrestling freestyle greco folk style are still the same just the scoring criteria is different you know when it comes to uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu not only is scoring different styles are different i mean you could do a whole BJJ match sitting on your butt. If you want to do that, right? You know, there's really not too much of the takedown aspect of it as it is for other things. That's that's not just you know style changes or in other words level changes. That is just going to a different sport. It's like do I, you play soccer or, do you, or say do you play American football or rugby? You know, not two not two sports, and nobody's going to play rugby entire life and switch over to american football i would say folk style is, is more akin to grappling with it's more emphasis on control as opposed to freestyle and greco which is more about getting the takedown real quick and then you know kind of going back to the feet i think that's why you see a lot of ufc fighters that have a folk style background do better than those that just have a like a freestyle or greco i think that's probably where it, it's coming from is they see that that name value in the ufc yeah, no, I can see that where because um, folks are involved. I wouldn't say more than a ground game, but you know, there's more mat time when it comes to folks out there is in freestyle, whatever. I mean, when it comes to strategies and control, until you, you know, you're trying to stay in that part of tear position with somebody who was able to lock up a gut wrench on, on you in freestyle Greco and you not turn when you feel, you know, your shoulder about to pop, your ribs about to break and you're trying to hold on forever and try to move around, you know, tactically, because there is a, a tactic about it. There's a technique about it versus, you know, where folk style will get to your feet. It's work for escapes, you know, where you have more options in folk style than you do in freestyle. It's basically where it changes some of that stuff. But yeah, I, I just want to get what you're talking when it comes to grappling part with it. But also when it comes to people transitioning doing who do well in say UFC, mixed martial arts, whatever, with folk style backgrounds, I mean each one of those guys who are in that league or whatever also have freestyle and Greco backgrounds. I mean, you see guys, well, he went from college where everyone in wrestling freestyle and Greco. Anyone you those athletes you see who did some great thing in college who do mixed martial arts now, every one of them look back what they did youth wise, they're Fargo All-Americans or Junior World Teams, everything, you know, like that. Kel Sona was a great college wrestler, never won a national title, but he was on a Greco World Team multiple times, guys like that. And that's Greco. They're not even taking shots, you know. That's that's just the toughness of Greco, which is elite Greco wrestlers, some of the toughest people you ever meet to. That's that's a chess match and a half to wrestle Greco at, at, the, at the top level. So... They all have some kind of background with it. And I think wrestling in general, period, has a great transition over to mixed martial arts or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You become folk style, freestyle, or whatever, and go into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yeah, you're going to succeed more than somebody coming straight from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu into folk style or freestyle wrestling. I agree with that 100%. Just because of uh, how those concepts of takedown and knowing you know, position-wise and body awareness versus taking somebody 
for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and this is not putting them down at all, but most of them um, don't have too much experience being in a wrestling stance and working for takedowns because that sort of part, you know, I take somebody down, but not with the same rules and criteria. So I think it's easier, it's easier transition from folk style wrestling into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu than the other way around. But, but I've seen people succeed at both. Andy, man, I know you got a lot to do coaching two teams, but sure. these kids and young adults are very lucky to have you. Um, do you have any final words before we let you go for the North Florida wrestling fans? Um, first, for North Florida, I mean, guys, keep it up. I've here and seen so many good things about what's happening in North Florida wrestling, especially with uh, you know, uh, success everyone's having at the high school level. Um, I'd love to uh, be more part of it. Being here at Lincoln Memorial University, uh, being a Division II school, recruiting is part of it. You know, if you got any athletes who are looking to go on to that college level, you know, and I mean college level as in a student athlete, somebody's looking for that college education and trying to be a, uh, an athlete or continue their wrestling career, I mean, hook me up, you know, call me up. That's part of the game is giving back. One of the main reasons we all become coaches is to give back to the sport same opportunities we had or we didn't have we want to create those for the youth wrestlers so please contact me you know lincoln Memorial university get a hold of me if you got athletes guys and girls to have the ability to go on and make something of themselves in college education wise with degrees and the wrestling wise at the college level you know you know where to find me